Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And um, I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Well, that's America's premier true crime podcast. I'm Burl Bearer. That's Mike Boyer. Producer. What's his name? Uh, Matt uh, Allen. That's right. <laughs> I knew he was somewhat famous. Joining us... The author of The Last Jewish Gangster, Volumes 1, 2, and soon number 3. Hello, hello. Uh, in addition to writing The Last Jewish Gangster, Volumes 1, 2, do you have all three of these already completed, or are you kind of putting them together as you go along? I'm finishing up Volume 3 right now. That's taking, that's taking me a little longer because I'm actually interviewing his daughter and his, the woman he was married to at the end of his life, his wife, not obviously the one he killed. What did he just say? Killed his second wife, but I'm, I'm spending some time interviewing his last wife and his daughter. He killed his second wife? Yes. Did he get in trouble for this, or did like uh, some society give him an award? Of um, passion or anger. Yeah, and did like anybody call the cops? No, they did not. Just, um, his son turned him in five years later. So he skated on this one. He didn't have to go to jail for murdering his wife. Was over in 1985 on uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Good morning. And his son turned him in five years later. Oh, he went to prison for it. Oh, okay. How long did he get for killing his wife the day before Thanksgiving? I think that adds four <laughs> years right there. Well, Marsha Clark was on the prosecution. Really? And, and she was going for blood, and she wanted everything. Uh, convicting, they wanted to convict him on first-degree murder with a special circumstance of depraved indifference. Right. And he ended, he ended up getting um, manslaughter, too because they couldn't tell how the body was killed and what the weapon was. So he got 11, 11 years at halftime. Wow. And no added uh, punishment for, you know, not having uh, sweet potatoes cooked at Thanksgiving or something? <laughs> no. He actually had, he got a couple extra years because he wasn't uh, too friendly with the warden wasn't too cooperative, so he got a couple of years tacked onto it. Wow. This, the justice system in this country amazes me. Uh, either they're locking people up for, for nothing, or they're not locking people up for everything. It's, it's more of a legal system than a justice system. Yeah. I was so fascinated not only by your book, The Last Jewish Gangster, it was coming up on Volume 3. When's Volume 3 coming out? Um, should be end of the year. Of year. So we're ready right now, we're in mid-September about, so people yeah. will be able to get it as a wonderful Hanukkah present. Yes, perfect timing. Wow. What could be more exciting this Hanukkah season than <laughs> the last Jewish three gangster? Volumes, so. yeah, three yeah. volumes of the man who murdered his wife. And other people. And a bunch of other people. And was totally estranged from his mother who stupid every gangster in New York. <laughs> yeah, you, should, you should write the blurb on the back of the book. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly do it. Trust me. I'll have the rabbi ghostwrite it for me. <laughs> oh. Look, uh, look, it, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah to do that, yeah. Right, no, and it's the perfect timing, you know. Happy yeah. New Year, everybody. Yeah, well, that's right. We're coming up on the Jewish New Year just in time <laughs> to get rid of the one we just had. You've also done ghostwriting, which people say 
Gee, how much does it cost to get a book ghostwritten? I said, twice as much as if you wrote it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And they, which is true, (laughs) at least twice as much as if you wrote it yourself. Men were looking, a couple men, one was a, uh, had tried out for the Navy SEALs, but he got so injured that uh, during his recovery, he had a story he always wanted to tell, so he wrote it all down. And he knew that he didn't have the skill to tell the story, so he found me. And uh, I hope the book's doing well. There was a article or whatever. Yes. I show up as the editor on the book. Well, good. Uh, Some of the ones that I've ghostwritten, I don't show up as anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you... I was kind of irked about that one day because I put a lot of work into a into a, uh, a nonfiction. It wasn't a true crime. It was a nonfiction book, and uh, I was getting all these great reviews. And uh, I said, "It'd be nice to be in the acknowledgments." And a friend of mine said, "The acknowledgments were the checks he wrote you." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Oh, you're right. You're quite right. <laughs> that is that is the acknowledgement. It's those checks." I do. I, um, one of the rare things I suppose I do is that every chapter of a book I write, whether it's ghostwritten or not, it goes through a six times a month uh, beta writers group with a number of other published authors that critique and mark it up and challenge, and, and it really comes out pretty clean. Wow. You have the nerve to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're, you're a brave man. I only went to one writer's group uh, by accident. Uh, none of these people were uh, had, had, had anything published yet. Didn't mean they wouldn't be the greatest authors on the planet. But they were criticizing this woman's short story, which I had read, because, you know, she handed out to everybody. Yeah. And they were picking on the weirdest things. You know, like the picking on the pictures on the wall and not the structure of the house. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't know these people were qualified to give any advice. Well, th- th- these people read first. They, they have three days to review. So we don't do anything live, a live reading and critiquing because it's not deep enough. Right. And they mark up anything that stops or confuse them as a reader and then, as a writer, suggest changes to fix it. Oh, that's good. Interesting. I like it, that. It, it, it's outstanding. Yeah. yeah so, so anyone can have an opinion of, of uh, I couldn't see the scene. I don't understand the character's motivation. Your POV wandered. You know, all, the, all those things. For software design. Yeah. Um, just uh, occurred to me that not everyone maybe have listened last week. So how about we do a reset? Who are we talking about, and what are the books about? Oh. Well, in 2013, I was directed to a gentleman named Michael Hardy. Yeah, living in Section 8 housing in San Diego. And he described himself as the last Jewish gangster. And as his story unfolded over, over the 
next two and a half years, I met him weekly. Uh, I learned that he killed 19 people, and he robbed hundreds of drug dealers, stole thousands of cars, spent 26 years in prisons and jails, wore wires for Giuliani, kidnapped dirty cops, wrote a letter to President Kennedy that got him out of the brig when he was 17 years old. I mean, th- th- it didn't stop the number of things this gentleman went through. But when I discovered why he did it, uh, this godson of Bugsy Spiegel, his mother rejected him at birth, dumped him with her parents to raise. Her parents, the mother was passionate the father was the Southern Baptist, and Michael's grandfather provided the guidance he could until Michael turned 12 and the grandfather died. And at that point, Michael was lost and angry at the world because his mother wouldn't allow him to go to the funeral. And that set him on a path where he looked at his mother and said she she was dating famous gangsters at the time. after Bugsy Siegel, of course, died. And he said, okay, mother, you love them and you don't love me. You think they're tough? Watch me. Then you'll love That's what drove him all his life. Boy, it was, uh, you'd think he'd figure out after a while that even doing that didn't work. Something is ingrained that deep into your DNA, it's hard to see it. I mean, because after you've killed enough people, hey, Mom, I've killed you know five guys now and two women. Uh, do you love me yet? And she's going to take yeah. a hike. Uh, you'd think you'd figure out there's pretty much a lost cause. He brought her into deals he was doing. Uh, we had a, uh, he was running a finger of the... Five Fingers International Car Theft Ring. He drive cars he got from the mob out to the West Coast. Her job was to sell them. Mm-hmm. Well, when the cars piled up too much in front of her place, and an old lady neighbor called the police because there were all these new Cadillacs with New York plates on them parked in front of her house, it didn't take long for the police to question Shirley. Shirley Rook, Michael's mother, and um, arrest her. And uh, to lessen her time in the clink, she turned, out, turned over her son. So he, he takes the fall for mom. To, to a win. partial fall. <laughs> yeah. so this was a couple years. So does she agree to partially love him for a few years? <laughs> no. No, didn't think so. <laughs> Well, she gets out. She, she's, a, she's a fascinating woman. She gets out of prison. She's living in the La Costa area outside of San Diego, wealthy people. And um, she manages to wrangle a, a retired, uh, let's see, he was a admiral, retired Navy admiral. And a year after he was, uh, he married her, he committed suicide. Hmm and left her with a million dollars. Um, 
Is that uh, Uncle Burrow? <laughs> yes. Uncle Burrow? Yes. Pay attention to that tidbit. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to include me in your will. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think he's trying to hint that I should take some. Is that legal to do that to kill yourself and uh, leave the money to somebody? I guess so. Well, I know that you can't take out a, you know that double indemnity. Uh, I saw that movie with Fred McMurray. And, uh, yes. Uh, well, you you uh, if it's murder or Robert Walker. yeah, you can't don't get the money. Yeah. So that's a that's a rough one. And I always get Barbara Stanwyck confused with uh, Lana Turner. Because one was in Poston Rings twice, and the other was in you know, Double Indemnity. Yeah, but, you know, Arpa Stanwyck, they just didn't look the same. They, no, they don't look the same. But you've got Double Indemnity in the Poston Rings twice. Ah. So that's twice and double, it's the same thing. I say, <laughs> Easy you, to you get know, the Triple Indemnity is much better. Better what? In real life or in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like the Jack Nicholson, uh, what's her name? Jessica Lange version of the poster rings twice where he stoops yeah. her, her on the table. It's, <clears throat> well, you know. This is just called the movie that because there's no reference to Postman or anything rigging anything in the second version. So people go, what the hell is it called that? Uh, name recognition to get people to spend money on tickets. Oh, okay. Yeah. You could have called it Burl Bear. So, do, you, do you know what's better than a tumor? A three-er? A three-er, yeah. Oh, get him, Bob. That's a former <coughs> joke. Not dad joke. Getting back to your brilliant career, Mr. Lyson. <laughs> when you go, what the hell am I doing on this show? Uh, we, well, we won't sell your book, we promise. Because well, I you know, uh, compared to some of the other, uh, um, our colleagues that do this kind of uh, podcast, broadcast, um, you know, it's... I just tired of it. I hope. The, the, <laughs> the constant seriousness. The, the, you know, there's no room for it to take a breath and relax. And here, not only do they relax, they fall asleep. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> It's a tragic story. Meanwhile, Mr. Larson, uh, your childhood <laughs> led you to this. Just as, just as his did. This is uh, the last Jewish gangster. His childhood led him to a life of crime. And yours led you to a life of telling stories. Uh, and I love the title of, uh, I don't know if it's a book you've written or you're going to write, The Lamb's Pimp. Yes. Is, have you written that book? I'm in the process of finishing off about my teen years. About your teen years. Oh, boy. My, my parents went from being... Um, about as conservative Lutherans as you can be, yeah. coming from Minnesota, and joined the Passing the Covenant Church. My dad was a deacon. He was a major in the National Guard. He sold paper to printers. He was the most honorable and honest person I ever knew. 100% Swedish. Oh. Uh, and uh, he, when I was 10 years old, he went to visit a cousin up in Seattle, and she took him, he knows a big change, took him to a revival meeting, and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And he calls up my mom and says, I'm coming home, Elise, God is alive in me. And he drives home, and uh, she sees this big change in him, and she's the one who went to Bible college. So she takes out a concordance and seven different Bibles and looks for this Holy Spirit thing, and 
same thing happens to her, and within a year, they're kicked out of their church. Well, why were they kicked out of the church? Were they uh, teaching a doctrine the church didn't like? Kind of that. There was a... Um, Lutherans like their, like their religion served up very neatly. It's like a TV dinner. They know it's in each of the things, you know. The, mm-hmm. you know, the Salisbury steak's here. The peas are there. The you know, potatoes there and that little, yeah, little thing of tin. dessert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my parents... Um, helped pray for a girl that was born without a hip, and all of a sudden she had a hip. And these Lutherans couldn't handle it. You know, so they they uh, forced my parents out of the church, and a handful of people that were really taken, taken with what had happened followed them. And soon my parents had meetings going on Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursday afternoons, and Friday nights. And hundreds of people would show up. Huh. Fascinating, Captain. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird space for a young teen to grow up in. Uh, yeah, it leaves them in a weird state when they leave it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's... Uh, I mean, I, I come from a Jewish background. I'm a nice Jewish Baha'i boy. And as you may or may not know, in Judaism, no one cares what you believe. <laughs> we don't care. The word believe only shows up in the Hebrew Bible once. In the entire Bible. Just one time. It just says, believe I am God. That's it. There's nothing, no doctrine, nothing. Well, you know? there is there is the entire, the entire Haftorah. Yeah, it was only half of it. You know, no, lays out a Jewish life. But it's just someone's opinion. It's like I tell Christians when they quote Paul all the time. I say, Paul is like the bonus features on a DVD. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the same thing with the other letters. They decided pick and choose, or even the, you know, what's the first one? Gospel of John, 100 years later, they write it. You know, just in time for the Mithraites to join the church. By changing the doctrine. Yeah, well, you know, is that the New Testament or yeah. the Old Testament? New. Yes, I've always been fascinated by the dichotomy of the Old and New Testament. Do you realize that the apostles actually one time wanted to ban, the church wanted to ban the uh, Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament entirely? Because it reached the point where the doctrine of the church was so unbiblical that there's this terrible conflict that oh, yeah. we can't reconcile what we're teaching people now well, with know, the Bible. Let's from, ban the Bible. From their perspective, uh, the Father, who should be our God, yes. um, he, was retired. A rat, he was a rat bastard. Yes, and he retired and, and passed the business on to his sons, like a good Jewish son. father. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just as nice as guy ever. <laughs> you know... And his you mercy endureth forever. Bread. Here's some loaves for you. We could use some wine. Get any water? <laughs> he was just a nice guy. Yeah. No, yeah. no. I think every every living creature on earth needs to drown because <laughs> these two cities are bad. It's metaphorical. I never metaphor I didn't like. <laughs> I'm nothing but trouble when it comes to theology. <laughs> I do my research. That's the problem being a true crime writer. We do lots of research. And as you probably know, doing research tends to piss people off. Have you run into that problem at all, doing research on your books where people won't cooperate? 
Are you talking about uh, knowing stuff? Yes. Uh, in, in, uh, two of Michael Hardy's daughters, as an example, uh, were not. It was the opposite of cooperative. Oh, well, <laughs> who gave you the. What was all that? It's strange, but you'll appreciate this. Uh, somebody in the public sector, shall we say, that is paid by your tax dollars and their documents are public records, like the coroner or something, right? Says, who gave you permission to put this in the book? <laughs> so, I don't need your permission to put this in the book, sir. You happen to be a paid public servant. These are public documents. <laughs> You have to explain that, you know, to people. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, I had to explain what life rights were all about. After after Michael Hardy died in early ni- in 2016, um, the daughters came after me. Oh, they wanted his life rights? <laughs> they died. <laughs> That's what they call them, life rights. Oh. And America's pretty interesting in the publishing. When someone dies, you can literally write anything, anything you want. Anything you want. You can make it up. Yep. Everything. That what's the guy who wrote the book about Elvis and he wrote a book about a couple of people and that's what he did. He would just make up stuff. <laughs> well, who is it? even the movie, uh was it Abraham Lincoln uh Vampire, Vampire Hunter. Hunter? Yeah, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, yeah. That was fun. That was a fun little... Uh, it's little not based on historical fact, however. Well, really? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you know, I always knew it was a bloodsucker. Yeah, well, his wife was, you know, she was into that. <laughs> that's, why she, that's why she's a little unbalanced, you know. <laughs> yeah. that's, it's, it's not easy being the president's wife when you're a vampire. <laughs> Too much publicity and not enough rock and roll. Uh, it, it, is, it, it is true. They're trying to do mashups. You know, so, something, let me see, something historical, a beloved character. We'll take, we'll take uh, President Abraham Lincoln and vampires and just, just like cowboys and aliens. Yeah, I like that. That wasn't, I didn't I, I, I rather that. like that. I, I gotta like that. that. Yeah. I used to do Teddy Roosevelt and wolf people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I lost count of a number of... Um, Werewolf, vampire, um, you know, uh, a scientific experiment, monster, Nazi movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just keep coming. Nazi werewolves, Nazi vampires. Yes, uh, Castle Keep is one of my favorites. Haven't seen that. But they they would not be making these movies unless they could make money. Right. My my all-time favorite, do you ever hear hear of Troma? Troma or Troma? Troma Corp. They... You know they were they can't they were the Roger Corman of the seventies. Oh, okay. And my favorite is Surf Nazis Must Die. Surf Nazis—they're the worst. Oh, <laughs> and the pantheon of Nazis. Surf Pretty much Nazis. a landlocked, a landlocked country. Their their claim to fame was the uh, um, the uh, Toxic Avengers. Series. Yes. Yeah. The whole series was toxic. I, I'm also fascinated, sadly, with America's new love of Nazis as role models. <laughs> no, I haven't run into that other than, you know, the neo-Nazis and the skinheads. Yeah. But and, not in, in general population. No, not in the general population. Only about one-third. <laughs> Let's have a dictator. 
We need someone more like Hitler. Um, well, <clears throat> if he had stayed out of Russia, yeah, he'd if he won. Had left Russia alone. I'm I'm pretty convinced he would have finished. His scientists would have had the resources to finish their heavy water experiments, and what they yeah. would have produced the uh, the atomic bomb first. Yeah, and why they never world. crossed the channel, invaded England. I uh, yeah, I, I know that that's curious that they chose a country, you know, the second largest landmass uh, country in the world next to China, and India. And they choose to invade that country instead of just, you know, taking on a little tiny island. Maybe they wanted to show how tough they were. Yeah, no one's as tough as the Russians. Yeah, it's rather stupid uh, to do it. <laughs> Let's wait till later. They broke, they broke their spear. Yeah, yeah. I, I the Russian know. winners just... Yeah. <clears throat> well, even back in, what was it, six, uh, 600 something when Hannibal crossed the Alps... Oh, tried his, to invade Arabia with his elephants. Yeah, with his elephants. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> no, it was a tad chilly. Yeah, it's a tad chilly. <laughs> uh, plus, they got they, didn't, they uh, forgot their parkas. And they got yeah, and they also got uh, pox. Uh, well, sugar sugar pox. Yeah, no poppy ox like you know, small pox. You know, uh, they got pox, 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 pox yeah. medium yeah. pox. Yeah. Well done, Box. Yeah. Then why do people try to... I know, let's do something incredible like conquer people that can't be conquered. <laughs> Make fools of ourselves in history. Ah. Uh, yet, uh, you know, what's that very old saying? You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. corruptly correct. Well, yeah. And I'm very powerful. Uh, it's uh, just about uh, 2.30 on the West Coast. Do you have to take off or could you stay? Uh, I've got to get going. You got to get going. Thank you well, so uh, much. Well, it's we always, we love your book. Fun to talk to you. Yeah. We well, you sent uh, sent Burrow uh, a note, probably a sheet a C flat, and okay. let him know when your when your third volume comes out, and we'll have you back and uh, bore everybody with, uh, we'll, in the audience. We'll do. Okay. We'll do. All right. Thank you. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Really a pleasure. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, yeah, the, the the story is just strange. It is, and uh, but, I mean, any 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 of the uh, the bag men, you know, the dirty works uh, of the of the mob is just is a strange story of how they become this emotionless sociopathic uh, killer. Uh, I've looked into the eyes of one of them, who. Uh who was, no, was an assassin for the mob who uh, passed away recently. He was in Vegas with a, a couple of books about him. And he was also was a consultant on Casino and yeah. reenacted one of his own murders and played in the scene itself. Yep. And, didn't, uh, didn't he play uh, Pet? He wasn't he the uh, Pesci character? The, uh, the one, he wasn't the Pesci character because the Pesci character got killed in that movie. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, no, they shoot the guy, the guy goes to walk away after he's shot. He's stumbling away. Go, where are you going? You know, he comes in, you're shot. You're dead. Yeah, that was one of his victims. Anyway, I was talking to him. I look at his eyes. I said, do you regret killing these people that you killed? He goes, no. <laughs> no, no. no they all had it coming. It's not, it's not personal. It's business. Yeah, I suppose they all had it coming. But, you, but he had eyes like a goat. It wasn't like a human being. He, he, he was, he was they were dead? Yeah. And that's what they said. There's no emotion in the eyes. That's the strangest thing. 
but you can see it. But he had a, you know, a change of eyes or a change of heart, I think, when he went the way this protection program. Right. But it was a strange thing. It was a sit-down. In fact, we have it in our archives, and you can listen to this. The mob sit down in Las Vegas, which I recorded, and you have these guys from the mob on the same stage with the FBI agents, etc., who caught them. And it's like old home week. <laughs> right. And they, they talk about their crimes, they talk about their arrests, and you think these guys would be shooting each other, you know, on stage. But no, they're but not. They're, they're, there's mutual respect. Yeah, more or disrespect or so, whatever it is. Yeah. But it was really weird. You know, I mean, that's back when Henry Hill was still alive. He was, yeah. uh, he was there, and uh, uh, Victor Colucci has uh, passed. Well, he was, he was on the program. He was undercover for the FBI and the mob, and uh, even in that situation where the guy who was the Godfather, who was the head of the of the family, was the informant for the FBI. That's <laughs> a strange one. <clears throat> I've had this discussion with friends over over, over the years. Uh, discussing movies Mm -hmm. and it's very very difficult to construct and and portray uh, the anti-hero you think of um, the saint you know near and dear to your heart he was he wasn't a straight arrow let's just say oh no no but you 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 turn him into the hero well he was the hero because he did whatever he wanted, which people find very liberating. Did whatever he wanted, didn't care about any rules or regulations, but he was altruistic. His motives were always good, but his methods were illegal. He was a criminal so, whose victims were criminals. So that's just an example of the yeah. anti-hero. Yeah. And there's any number of examples of, um, of attempts to take the hitman... And make him, and the, make hero. him the anti-hero. Uh, you think of the Transporter series, for example. <laughs> but then there was uh, Road to Perdition with Hanks. And and there's been about two or three where it's always the same basic plot structure as the hit man or hit woman. Yeah, gets conscious. conscious yes, and, or has, suddenly has to protect a child. Yes, uh, there was one of my, one of my favorites was... Um, uh, I have to think of it. Chi- um, the a, one with uh, what's his name in it? Chinese actor. Well, not that and, one. Um, I thought it was the, going to say the French actor. Oh, well, that was, uh, um, that was the uh, professional. Yes. Uh, the first, I think it was the first uh, bit from uh, Princess Leia. No, not Princess Leia. The, uh, Padme. You know, the Israeli actress. She won uh, an Oscar for the... Uh, uh, the uh, ballet movie, Black Swan. Yeah, yeah, her. But she that was she was the kid that he was protecting. Oh, and that was a tremendous film. Yeah, that's always the problem being an assassin. You got to kill people, and the kid gets in the way. <laughs> right. Oh, the replacement killers. That's the yeah. one I was thinking of. Um, yeah. So he has to, you know, um, a cop um, catches a crime boss's son and asks asked him to surrender you've been caught and the kid decides no I'm not going to be caught and starts shooting so the cop shoots back and kills him so now the crime boss wants uh, the hitman 
uh, and tells him, this is your last hit, and your, your debt to me is paid, and you can retire, and here's the hit. And he has to go and shoot this police officer's uh, 10-year-old son. Oh, that's a nice job. <clears throat> that's and, easy, because a kid can't shoot back. Um, yeah, so, and the, the hitman is just, you know, he can't do it. You have to wait till the kid's 18, then you can kill him. No. And all, you know, and as one would suspect, all hell breaks loose. Yes. That's the whole point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily like Tom Hanks's uh, Road to Perdition. I never saw that. Uh, I think it, I, I believe it was Spielberg that he worked with. Uh, I watched Elvis again last night. Second, um, second time. The, was this the uh, M-Tech, the Ohm-Tech? No, where he's fighting, uh, you know... Vampires? No, um, <laughs> uh, mummies. Elvis fighting mummies? Yes, uh, El- you know, Elvis Amtek or something. No, this is Elvis, the, the movie. Road to Perdition. No, 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 Elvis, Elvis yeah. Presley. Yes, the current... Really yes, current. the current Elvis Presley movie, right. uh, which was, on the second viewing, was even better than it was the first time. It's an absolutely incredible piece of cinema. It's wonderful. I think he's going to win several awards. Many, many, many. Tom Hanks is in that one, too. You one might not recognize him. Uh, yes, he played uh, Parker, Colonel... Colonel Tom Parker. Right. Uh, I think I told you, Elvis was body had hardly hit the floor yet when I get a call from Hewlett, whose name is mentioned several times in the film. We don't ever mention his first name, which was Tom. So Hewlett calls me, and he's got Colonel Tom there with him, Colonel Tom was strange. Uh, Colonel Tom would not speak to me directly. He would speak to Hewlett, and then Hewlett would tell me what the colonel said, although the colonel is sitting right there so I can hear what he's saying. Sam, man. <laughs> so I have to hear everything twice. <laughs> That's what he wanted me to do, this retrospective on Elvis called Always Elvis. He wanted to sell all that, you know, cheap carnival Elvis Presley merchandise at a big fair of nothing but Elvis merchandise. And wanted me to do the commercials for it. And he kept saying, make it more carny, more carny, more like a carnival, more like a carnival. Elvis, Elvis, Elvis. <laughs> I just gave it a full carnival shot. I don't know if you ever did the damn thing or not. But that's my claim to fame with Colonel, my only interaction with Colonel Tom Parker, who wasn't a colonel and his name wasn't Tom Parker. But, um, Strange dude. Never did that. Uh, I saw Elvis live. You ever see Elvis live? No. I did. Last of the final, final tour. His set only lasted 45 minutes. That's pretty short for a show. 45 minutes. And no encore. Elvis has left the building. He's gone. <laughs> As opposed to Led Zeppelin in about three hours and 45 encores. Including the last one. They're down, there's only about 200 people left in the Coliseum. And they're doing, dan, 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 doing Louie Louie. They're doing Sweets for My Sweet. Doing all these Northwest hits. Led Zeppelin did. I thought it was kind of cool for them to do in Seattle. A bunch of Northwest hits. I did a lot of hits when I was in the Northwest. People have often asked the question why are there so many serial killers and murderers in Washington and Oregon? And the answer is because it's as far as you can go before you fall into the ocean. And that's why you have so many on the East Coast and on the West Coast, but not in the middle of the country. So there, there are two. Uh, the one I was thinking of was Bubba Hoptat. 
H-O-T-E-P, Bubba Hotep. And what, it's uh, uh, Elvis fighting mummies. Really? And the other one is Elvis versus the mummies. Elvis versus the mummies. Who made these? Oh, who cares? <laughs> Does it really matter? <laughs> yes, I, I think it's important. And the Elvis people can't sue, can they? He was the, as long as they don't no. use the last name Presley. No, because, you know, uh, in, this, in, these, in this specific instance, Elvis is the hero. Yes. So what are they going to sue on? Well, Making him the good guy? Yeah. No. It's make-believe. It's fantasy. Yes. I mean, you know, there's no such thing as mummies. There's no such thing as Elvis in this movie either. Does the guy look like Elvis? Uh, eh. About as much as the other guy looked like Abraham Lincoln. Well, uh, when you know, Lincoln versus the vampires, they did a pretty good job of getting somebody that was tall. And, you well, know, there's two different ones. There's, there's Abraham Lincoln versus the vampires, and there's right. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Right. Two different movies, two different budgets. Yes. One's bigger budget than the other one. The other one's, a, you know, hey, let's do the same thing real fast. <laughs> Get it out there. <laughs> Which I made the mistake of getting that one. Uh, That's show business, my friends. And speaking of show business, you've come to the right place. Hey, you know who's got a new book out? Greg Olson. No, really? Yeah, that well, was fast. So, uh, are we going to have him as a guest? I will try to get all of him. We had him on 15 years ago, and then we had him on this year, and uh, maybe we can have him on twice in the same year. He cranks those things out so fast, but he's very dedicated, so he, you know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't and then what is this? Uh, this is a true crime one. Yeah. Because he tends to alternate. Uh, previous one, uh, The Hive, was a uh, uh, fiction based on, inspired by actual humans that he didn't like. <laughs> but this one, I think it's about the, uh, uh, like the Tylenol murders or whatever, that type of thing. Yeah. I think it's yeah. that. I think that might be what, it's, I, it's, it's a true crime and it's something shocking like that. And, you know, if he wrote it, it's going to be good. Oh, well, you know, the Tylenol murders, the, the, the perpetrator tainted The perpetrator, that sounds like a rap thing, the perpetrator tainted. The perpetrator tainted the drugs prior to bottling. Yeah. How many bottles? Oh, they lost count. They lost count. Because they basically just took it all off the shelf and destroyed it all, good and bad. They didn't bother to check. Well, I remember this one family came home from a funeral or something, and they all had headaches. They all took the Tylenol. And... That's when they started putting those safety caps and the seal, double seals on things, mm-hmm. like smack seal, the sugar smack seal. Yes, and it made uh, made operations engineers a lot of money. Did it? Yes. So there's always an upside to tragedy. Um, there's an entire uh, branch of science and engineering called Operations Research. And it's basically uh, taking a look at manufacture, automated manufacturing processes and constructing, uh, constructing the flow of the product and the machines that they run on. And they invent all of the machinery that does the work, like uh, filling the bottles, putting the caps on, putting the little foil on top, you know, mm-hmm. this is the seal stuff. They invent all of those machines, and they have an entire toolkit of previous inventions to draw from. And there are uh, companies that specialize in building these uh, devices for manufacturing. And interesting, you know, every year, consumer uh, the Consumer Reports gives an award for the package most difficult to open. 
Yes, yes, I'm a subscriber, and I have uh, found that a tad amusing. Yeah, and some some of the writing just got. I mean, you can't get those damn things. The plastic things that they're locked in. Oh yeah, you have to get a scissors. Yeah, oh yeah, hacking them out. Yeah. Um, on occasion, I will buy uh, a, a little tiny tub of dark chocolate almonds. Mm. Very tasty. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I I brought it the first time and. I, you know, and passed around the poker table trying to open it. And there's a little zip thing, and you unzip it, and then the top lid comes off. <laughs> you know, you have to be you have to be a little smarter than the box it's in. <laughs> yes. So if you pass around this table, I bet it came back in one piece. Oh, <laughs> uh, I remember a, a lifetime ago, we uh, we used to get the giant two-liter uh, bottles of of uh, water. You know, Arrowhead Mountain, you know, whatever it was, it was the it was a you know big uh, rectangle, mm-hmm. big, and you put it in the fridge, and then you'd pull the little uh, spout out, right? You know, and then uh, my mom and you know, you know, I wanted to get some water, and she says it doesn't work. Why not? And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, well, and for the water to dispense, it has to be air in the bottle for gravity to push the water out. Mm-hmm. And you haven't poked a hole, but that will make it leak. And I'm going, no. And there's a little spot at the top of the right. of this, and it says, puncture here. Yeah. You puncture it, and it lets the air in. And then you pull the, in the, the lever down You have there. to be just a little smarter. Than the box it came in. <laughs> yeah. That's an entire... That's an entire branch of operations research is, is designing, constructing uh, boxes for products to go in. And they have to research the stupidity of the consumer. Um, that's why uh, on the little package of desiccant, the little tiny package that soaks moisture up, it says, do not eat. Yeah, yeah. What I like is, uh, is when they... The instructions are were not originally in English, and they're translated into oh. English by people who don't speak English. On the back page of Consumer Reports, how many times have we seen those mistranslations that just are hysterical? Well, the one I just got, I have one of those little robot cleaners that runs around the floor and sucks up stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Her name Roomba. is... And it says, yeah, it's not by that company, it's by a different one out of China. And one of the instructions begins... To keep you from thinking. <laughs> to keep you from thinking what? Yeah, my favorite is always remove from package. Yeah. Is the first instruction. I also like on the one on TV about uh, all these uh, prescription medications. Do not take if you're allergic to it. Well, how would you know if you're allergic to it if you haven't taken it? Um... There are uh, common binder ingredients in a lot of medications. And you may not necessarily be allergic to the actual medicine, but you may be allergic to the way it's bound to make the capsule or pill. Oh, like if they use baking soda or... Or, yeah, or... Well, you know, uh, acid whatever, whatever kind of, uh, of ingredients that's, that make it stick together, starch or... Whatever, whatever it is that they're using that's inactive ingredients. 
You know, uh, sometimes there's more inactive ingredients than active ingredients. Almost always. Yeah. Uh, so the people who are making the inactive ingredients are making a lot of money. Um, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, you know, baking stuff. I think your mic just went off again. Baking powder. Baking powder. Talcum powder. powder is, uh, oh, you boy, know, I'm glad I don't make talcum powder. They, uh, yeah, you can just buy an entire, uh, uh, you know, half a dozen rail cars of the stuff. And they pull up to your plant and you just, you know, put the hose in, suck it into your silos. I can remember when I was a kid, talcum powder was safe and wonderful. Burl, the hmm. only thing that's safe and wonderful is clean air. When you were a kid, cigarettes weren't harmful. Oh, no, no, they're the best thing for you. Right, doctors. <laughs> doctors. doctors yes, doctors prescribe. If you're not smoking now, start soon. Yeah. The only thing that are safe for you is clean air and pure water. Everything oh, no, else pure water can't be good for you. Well, <laughs> not, not uh, scientifically pure water, because that's a scavenger and it'll kill you. Burl! Yeah. What's next? Magic Bad Out of the Demons of Decadence. You've heard of them. Live from no, I Lighten Up Lounge, which is a beautiful, really inspiring location. Built in Mass Backyard. Yes, it's gleaming and streamlined. Yeah, it is. All right, we'll see you next week.